All right, good morning. I'd like to welcome everybody on this October 1st. I'd like to welcome those that are uh, listening on the radio and watching on Facebook Live. So why don't you rise and uh, join me in a call to worship, taken from Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and His grace is free And the good news is I know that He Can do for you what He's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus And let my Jesus change your life dreams and wasted years until the past to disappear oh, let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could who would work it out for your good let me tell you about my Jesus he makes a way where there ain't no way he rises up from an empty grave ain't no
Psalm 61, 1 through 4. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Shelter. 
Last month when we had our service at the New Knoxville Community Park and we took communion there, we had an opportunity to reflect more deeply on what communion represents and why we share it together during our worship services. And one of the things that I mentioned at that service was that sometimes we just rush through it. You know, we, we typically have communion at the end of our service after we've done our songs and after we've heard the sermon and after we've had the opportunity to do all those things. And so sometimes, if we're not careful, it can feel like an add-on, something that we just rush through to get to the end of the service so we can get on to Sunday school or lunch or wherever you're going next. And so today we wanted to be a little bit more intentional about our time at the Lord's table. And so we're going to do that now. And we're going to have a time to share in the, in the Lord's Supper together and, and continue our worship service through song, through scripture reading, through the sermon. But today we want to be intentional about slowing down and really focusing on why we do what we do. Earlier this week, I had an opportunity to attend a conference in Indianapolis. And the theme of the conference was all about hope in the wilderness. It was messages about God's people in Exodus and what we can learn from that. And during one of the sessions, it talked about uh, the, the time that Moses and God's people received the law on Mount Sinai. Of course, they received the Ten Commandments and for several chapters in Exodus that the Ten Commandments are, are kind of expanded on and explained. And then I believe it's in Exodus 24, there's this covenant ceremony where God and his people make an agreement that they agree to obey the law and obey what God has commanded them to do. And as part of that ceremony, there's a sacrifice. And the blood of that sacrifice was then sprinkled on the altar as well as the people. And as Moses is enacting the sacrifice, he says, this is the blood of the covenant. And after that, Moses... Aaron, the high priest, as well as the elders of Israel, go up on the mountain. They go into the very presence of God, and it says that they ate and drank there. Sometime later, Jesus shares a meal with his disciples. And during that meal, he lifts up the cup and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Almost the same phrase that Moses used in acting the covenant at Mount Sinai. But Jesus didn't say, this is the blood. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant given for you so that your sins may be forgiven. And then he invites his disciples. He invites us to the table to eat and to drink with him. See, when we take communion, we are remembering and reenacting that last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. And it was in that supper that Jesus was explaining the purpose and the significance of his sacrifice. That the bread that was broken represented his body that was to be broken on the cross. The cup, the wine, representing Jesus' blood, which is to be shed on the cross for our forgiveness. And so every time that we take communion, we remember and reflect on that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And we remember that he invites us to the table just as we are, sinners in need of a savior. So we're gonna have an opportunity to pray and, and acknowledge our need for the Lord. Acknowledge that Jesus is the savior that we need. And we'll also have an opportunity to praise him and thank him because his blood shed on the cross is enough to forgive our sins is more than enough for us. So I invite you to pray with me as we set our hearts and our minds on the Lord Jesus at this time. Father God, we are so grateful for this opportunity to celebrate communion together. That through the 
And it is through his blood shed on the cross that our sins are forgiven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died for us, that it is your sacrifice that forgives our sins. And that it is your resurrection that that proves that that sacrifice was more than enough for us to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we come before you now and in humility and in silence we confess our sins to you. We acknowledge that we've done things that we ought not to have done and we've left things undone that we know we should have done. And so hear us now as we confess our sins to you. Thank you, Lord, that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. But as Psalm 103 says, your love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. And as far as the east is from the west, so far you have removed our sins from us. We thank you and praise you for that promise and that sure hope that we have in Christ. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. For as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, I've received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And having given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So all you who have received Jesus as your Lord and Messiah, we invite you to take this sacrament to your comfort. As always, if you are unable to come forward for any reason, there will be a couple elders coming around the sanctuary to serve you in the pews. Jesus Christ, my 
just could not hold you. The veil torn before you. You silenced the bones of sin and the grave. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. And this is his blood, which was shed for you, that your sins may be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this body and blood of Jesus Christ who died for us that our sins would be forgiven and rose to life to prove that that sacrifice is enough for us. And I pray that we would all, Lord, be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we may live in light of that sacrifice all the days of our life. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand once again and let's close this time with another song. Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My God. 
Won't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves as we come before you this morning, Father. We come before you with our prayers. We come before you with our concerns. And Father, I just thank you for all you've done for all of us, Father. I thank you for the blessings you have given us. I thank you that you have allowed us, by your grace, to share in your supper with you, Father. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. And Father, as we continue to pray this morning, we pray for all those that are being affected in our our congregation, in our community. They're affected by loss of a loved one, other difficulties in their lives. Sometimes they think they just can't get ahead in their lives, Father. Father, I just pray that you come with them, Father. You walk beside them. You give them comfort and peace. You give them the encouragement to continue, Father. We're so thankful for what you've done for us, Father. There is none before you, Father. There will be none after you. You are just perfect in all of your ways, Father. And, Father, as we move forward this week... And as we move forward in our lives, I pray that you be with us in everything that we do, Father. And Father, as we worship you this morning, I pray that we put away all our distractions. We put away all those things which we have allowed to come between us. I pray that your Spirit, your Holy Spirit will come down upon us, Father. And let us know, make us aware of those things which we have allowed to come between us that keep us from having that personal relationship with you. And that's what you want from each and every one of us, Father. So, Father, I pray that as we move on with our service this morning, every morning, Father, we, we have somebody stand up here and give a prayer. And we close that prayer with the Lord's Prayer. And Father, this morning, I pray that we do not take that for granted. I pray that is just not something else that we check off our list as our service moves forward this morning. That we truly understand those words which you have given us to pray. I'm just so thankful, Father, for you being in our lives. Praise you and we worship you, Father. We pray for Pastor Joel's message this morning. We pray that he'll be bold in his delivery. I pray for other pastors in their messages this morning, Father, and that they will be bold and that they will be true to your word, Father. Teach your word and your word only. And, Father, I pray for our enemies. I pray for all those that you put above us, put above us in authority. doesn't make any difference if we agree with them or disagree with them, Father. You have called us to pray for them. And, Father, I pray that we are bold in our prayers. We are direct in our prayers, Father. And I pray that we can just come together as one. I pray that your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, will send... will send down upon us what you want us to know, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us into understanding what your will is and that we lead our lives according to what you want us to be, Father. So, Father, God, as we move forward from here, we pray that we, we lead our lives according to you, that people will see us and say there's just something different about those people. And I pray that we are a blessing to you, Father. I pray that everything we do is to build your kingdom and glorify you. So, Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to meet here together, to gather as one. And we come together and we pray the prayer that your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, will children come forward to the children's chat? sit up here because it's going to be a little crowded this morning. Lots of kids coming. We were joking earlier this morning about whether or not I was actually going to have to do children's chat and I, I told somebody, I said, I think we already sang about everything I'm going to say because the first song we sang this morning was are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about Jesus. No, you cannot go home now. <laughs> can somebody tell me what this says? Can you read it? Does anybody can read? Tell me what it says. Say it real loud. Why worry? When you can pray, are there lots of things that we need to, that we need to worry about? No, because we know that we have Jesus that can answer all of our prayers, right? But sometimes we have big prayers. Now, if you've ever seen this box, sometimes we use it during prayer and praise nights. This box usually sits out there in the hallway. And if you have a prayer and you want somebody to know about your prayer, you can write it on a little note and put it in the prayer box. And people then can pray for you if we take those out and read those. Sometimes there are big things in life that happen. And there have been several this week for me. Okay? We know that someone in our congregation lost a loved one. We know that there are people in our congregation that are having medical issues. And I got a gut punch this week when I found out that somebody that's my age died unexpectedly. So I needed lots and lots of prayers to put in my prayer box this morning to tell God what my concerns were. Someone, God is calling someone. But sometimes we have prayers that we don't necessarily want to share with everybody. If you can see what this is, this is a little necklace that one of my daughters gave me. And it is a little prayer box. So you can open it up. And there's a little teeny tiny space in there. You really don't have enough room to put paper in there. But sometimes you think about prayers in your heart. So it's kind of like putting those prayers in that little prayer box and closing it up and asking God to take care of those prayers for you. It might be just a little prayer like, help me be on time for school. Or it might be a little prayer like, Lord, help me to not be nervous when I do children's chat. It's a little prayer that maybe is just for you. Okay? So when you give your worries to God, you don't take them back. Because God is able to take care of all of those prayers for us. Okay? Now, the scripture today is Paul writing to the Ephesians, but he was writing to the Christians that were in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a country, or is in what is now Turkey. Ephesus is not um, 
there anymore. It was a major shipping city at one time, and there were a lot of people that weren't Christians. So there are people that can be Christians, and there are also people that are not Christians. So he was talking to the people that were the Christians there. And I want to tell you what he wrote, and I'm going to read this one from the Good News Bible. It's part of today's scripture lesson. Ephesians 1, I'm going to read verse 13. And I have to put my glasses on to see it. And you also became God's people when you heard the true message, the good news that brought you salvation. So in your Sunday school rooms today, you are going to be able to pick up an Operation Christmas shoebox. Okay? And in the bulletins today, you'll see the bulletin inserts for Operation Christmas Child. We are at the halfway point in the Christmas season. Six weeks ago, I put all the shoe boxes out at the entrances to be picked up, and we have six more weeks to go. Okay. There are over 209 million children and 170 countries and territories that have heard about God's word through Operation Christmas Child. And every child that gets a shoebox, they're invited to a fun event. They don't know they're going to get a gift, but they get a gift, and it's full of fun. It's a big surprise, and they also receive a copy of The Greatest Gift. And after the party, then they're invited to a 12-week discipleship class of the greatest journey. Now, in this box, I'm going to use this as my as my symbol for my prayer box, okay? The reason why I love to pack shoe boxes is because I like to hear about miracles. Has anybody ever experienced a miracle? I hear about miracles all the time when I hear shoebox stories. And the reason why there are miracles is because the very first thing that we put in a shoebox is prayer. Prayer is the very first thing and the most important thing. And after you put the prayer in it, then you can add other fun things like beads. What's that? You, no. No. You can if you want to. It's a little note that says I'm praying for you. You can put books in. You can put puppets in. You can put headbands in. You can put balls, brushes, shoes, a doll baby, Maybe a hammer and some tools, a hat or Ohio State shirt that shows this one comes from Ohio. But let me tell you about a, a couple of the miracles that I have heard. Yesterday I went to an OCC event and I found, I was told that there was a distribution event where 66 kids got shoeboxes. And from those 66 shoeboxes, a church was planted that has 7,000 members. It was only one shoe, only one shoebox with 65 others that made all the difference in the world. There's another story about a boy, I think he was in Africa, and he had really, really big feet. He couldn't go to school because he didn't have shoes. He used to go to school barefoot and finally the teachers said you've got to have shoes to come to school. And in his shoe box when he went to a distribution event he got shoes. That was a miracle. That was an answer to prayer. I also went to 
an event last year, and I heard a story about a girl, and this is a true story, initial erasers. Now, this girl was kind of lonely. She didn't have many friends. And she prayed for friends. And when she got her pencil erasers in her shoebox, everybody was like, what is that? What is that? What is that? They wanted to see what she had. And they all wanted a pencil eraser. And they all wanted to be her friend. So that was her answer to prayer that she got friends. So when we pray over our shoeboxes, we never know what the miracle is going to be, but we know that it will impact lives. And what we want to do, what we want to do is make sure that we pray first and then we pray over them when we're done because we never ever have to have worries when we know that we can pray whether we have big concerns or little concerns okay let's say a prayer lord jesus thank you for these good listeners this morning thank you for operation christmas child and the ministry that enables people all over the world to hear good news, whether it is in hard-to-reach countries where there are Christians, but not a lot of other people that have heard the word. Bless the, the Christians and the Sunday school leaders that teach children all over the world that there's really only one reason why we live, and that is because we live for you. You are our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. Thank you for that reminder about the importance of prayer. Not only can we give our prayers and our concerns to the Lord, but he also enables us to be the answer to prayer sometimes and help other people. Our offering this morning goes to support the general operating fund here at First Church. Uh, the choir has the week off, so you all get to be the choir this morning. As the deacons come forward to collect the offering, we're going to sing hymn number 350 in the hymnal, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. I invite the deacons to come forward at this time. Joy. 
standing for the scripture today. It comes from Ephesians 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints of Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the ones he loves. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on with all the wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guarantee in our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, we come here this morning to hear from you. We've had an opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper together today, which is a reminder of the, your goodness and your grace towards us. And your word also is a gift so that we may know you and, and serve you in this world. I pray your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and minds to open them up to what you have to say to us today. And may you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I was in high school, I played football. And one of the things that my coach did was, was he would script out a plan for the first 10 or so offensive plays of the game. And I was an offensive lineman, so we were always prepared for what for how we were going to start the game. But we all know, like all best laid plans, sometimes they did not go according to the way our coach thought they would. Sometimes something would happen that would force us to change our plan. Or sometimes the plan itself just didn't work out and he had to change his perspective or change his plan mid-game. And so we would have a plan, but it never seemed to work out perfectly all the time. Now, Scripture teaches us that God has a plan for us, that he has a plan for our salvation. But the amazing thing about God is his plan is perfect, and it never fails. This year in Confirmation, we are working through the storyline of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And I love teaching this because it reminds us that all of Scripture points us to Jesus, and all of Scripture details that plan of salvation that God has made possible for us in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, these, this opening statement that Paul gives in his letter is a summary of that perfect plan that God has for us. You see, God's perfect plan is to reconcile sinners to himself. In other words, God's perfect plan is to save sinners and, and restore the relationship that they were to have with him in the first place. In verse 3, he says that through Christ, he has given us every spiritual blessing. You see, God has given us everything that we need in Christ. He has given us everything we need for our salvation. Sometimes we lack in material things, don't we? We all know people who don't have enough money sometimes to go around, or they worry about putting food on the table for their kids. We are all aware that sometimes we lack physically or materially. But in Christ, we never lack anything spiritually. God has provided everything necessary for us and for our salvation through him. But if we know the storyline of scripture, we know that from the beginning, that relationship was broken. 
Genesis 1 and 2 describes God creating the heaven and earth. And, and after he created it all, he looked around and said that it was very good. Creation was established so that God's people would know him and love him and serve him and live in relationship with him in the creation that he has made. But in Genesis 3, that, that creation was corrupted thoroughly by sin. Sin entered the world and through Adam and Eve's disobedience and it affected everything God made. It affected every person that has ever lived since. So God's plan seems to have been put off. But Ephesians 1 tells us a different story. Ephesians 1 reminds us that, that from the beginning, from before the creation of the world, this was all part of God's plan. Verse 4 says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. So how do we reconcile those two things? How do we reconcile God's perfect plan and the reality that sin seems to have messed it all up? Well, here's the good news for us, is that even before the creation of the world, God knew what was going to happen. Before God formed the heavens and the earth, before he breathed life into Adam, before he placed them in the garden, he knew that sin was going to enter and mess it all up. And so before any of that took place, God had a plan. And God's plan was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to redeem us, to bring us back and establish once again that relationship with him. You see, God knew that Adam and Eve would disobey him. God knew that through their disobedience, sin would thoroughly corrupt his entire creation. God knew that it would affect everything and everyone who's ever lived, including me and including you. God knows that you're a sinner. But here's the good news. God still chooses to save you, to love you, and to redeem you for himself. Why would he do such a thing, right? Why would God choose to save us when he knows that in our hearts we have all rejected him from the beginning. Well, these first few verses tell us. It tells us that God does it in love, verse 4. God's great love for us. It was out of his love that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. That's what John 3.16 teaches us. His love for his creation and his love for you. Verse 5, it says that it is out of his joy, with the, his, according to his pleasure and will. God delights in saving sinners. God delights in the fact that he is able to save us from our sin and, and that by putting our faith in Christ that we are made new. That brings God joy. And in verse 6, it's to the praise of his glorious grace. God set this plan in motion so that he might be praised, so that his glory might be known, so that his name would be made famous across all the earth. Notice that none of these three things depend on us or our behavior or our good actions, right? His love, his joy, his glory, those things motivate him. It's not about how good we are or what we've done to earn it. Because if God set his plan if the Father has, has set his plan according to his will before the creation of the world, that was before you and I even existed, right? That was before there was anything. So you couldn't have done anything to earn it, and you couldn't possibly do anything to unearn it if God has ordained it to be so. You see, our salvation is, is, a, is according to the will of the Father, it is, and it is accomplished through the Son and his death and his resurrection. So God's done all the work, right? God's done everything. He has set this plan into motion and then he executed the plan for us, for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us, it says. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That word redemption, it means to, to redeem something is to, to buy it back. It could also be called a ransom. We all know what a ransom is, right? It's, it's when somebody has been kidnapped, right? They are held against their will and a price is paid to set them free. 
That is what God has done for us in Christ. He has set us free from the, the, our slavery to sin. He has paid the debt that we could never pay for ourselves. And he paid it by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us and to save us from our sin. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose, which he has made known for us in Christ. These verses at the end there, verses 9 and 10, they talk about this, the mystery according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, right, to be made known, to put into effect when the time reached its fulfillment. See, Jesus came at a specific point in history, 2000, but whether somebody lived before Christ or whether somebody lived after Christ, they are still saved by faith in him. Old Testament believers looked forward to the day when God would save his people from their sin. Now, they didn't understand fully what that meant. They didn't see the big picture, but they knew by faith that God would save them from their sin. We, as New Testament believers, have the benefit of looking back on what God has already accomplished in Christ. We have the benefit to know that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, and that is a historical fact that we can point to in the past. Say, that is what God did for me. God has a perfect plan for us, and it began before the creation of the world. It was accomplished through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection in the past, and it continues into the present in our lives. I've talked a lot about how God's perfect plan is to save us from our sin and that he accomplished that through Jesus. And so you may ask, what does that have to do with me, right? Or how, what is my role in all of this? Well, first of all, we've seen that we cannot do anything to earn our salvation. We cannot add to or take away from what Jesus has already done for us. Jesus is enough, right? His sacrifice is sufficient for our sins. We don't need to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord and clean up our act before we experience God's salvation, right? Jesus is enough. But like any gift, it needs to be received, right? It needs to be accepted. And so God's perfect plan is to reconcile sinners to himself, but we respond to that grace through faith in Christ. In verses 11 and following, he talks, he talks about you and us, right? He talks about there's this split. Paul here is talking about the difference between Jew and Gentiles, right? And we've talked about that before, the divide that was often there. But the good news in Jesus is, the good news in Christ is that salvation is from the Jews, but it's not only for the Jews. In other words, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of, the, of the Old Testament prophecies. He is the Jewish Messiah who has come to rescue and redeem his people. But that salvation is made available to all nations. That God's kingdom is, includes people from every tribe and nation and tongue. And that good news is available in the same way to both Jew and Gentile through faith in Christ. Verse 13, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. How do we experience God's salvation? How do we enter into God's perfect plan for our lives? It's through hearing the good news of the gospel and believing in it, putting our trust in him as Savior and Lord. You see, belief is more than just intellectual, right? It's more than just understanding a certain set of facts. We can believe that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. We can believe that he died on a cross. And we may even believe that he rose again from the dead. But pure belief, pure mental understanding is not what God has in mind here. Biblical belief is more than that. It is, it is that, but it's more. It's also choosing to trust that that is true and that, it, and that it impacts our lives personally. It's moving from just a mental exercise in our head and allowing that to impact our heart and really impact our entire lives. And it says here that when we believe, we are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. See, when you put your trust in Christ, he doesn't leave you alone. He gives you his Holy Spirit so that you may know him and be in that relationship with him. He's a seal. He's a, he's a down payment for what is to come. That means that, that we experience the newness of life now in Christ through the presence of his Holy Spirit. 
and he also keeps us safe in him until either we go to be with him or Jesus returns to us. You see, an inheritance is something that we experience upon death. Right? A, a physical inheritance in this world right, is something we may receive from our parents or grandparents when they die. But in Christ, we have been given a spiritual inheritance and it is made payable to us upon our death when we enter into glory with him. But he has given us his Holy Spirit as that down payment so that we may, it's not something that we have to wait for when we die, but it's something that we can experience now in a relationship with him. See, God's perfect plan is to reconcile sinners to himself. And that is accomplished through God's plan and purpose from before the creation of the world. It is achieved for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son, some 2,000 years ago. And it is applied to our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit here and now, to soften our hearts, to turn us toward him, so that we may believe and trust in his perfect plan. And all of that is done, all of that is accomplished to the praise of his glory and grace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here this morning and hear from it. I pray, Lord, that you help us all understand your perfect plan for us, that you may draw us to yourself today and every day of our lives. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship today, I invite you to stand and sing our closing song, Sanctuary.